everybody welcome to busy lipping so busy lipping so busy lipping so it is episode 184 184 184 now you guys i'm not by myself jf's here with me but he's hiding in the corner because he, he thinks he looks terrible but i'll just show you him here he is say hi 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 so we have a YouTube channel now, so you can watch our YouTube channel. And that's why I have the camera on, because I thought, well, if people want to watch, they can watch me on um, on YouTube. Thanks for my kids, where they're like, you need to have a YouTube channel, Mom. And I'm like, oh, okay, look at my crazy hair. All right, today's topic is a topic that I don't have. This is mostly an opinion piece today. Mm. Not like every other time I go by myself is an opinion piece, and every mm -hmm. time I talk to anybody is an opinion piece. We're Let's all see. opinion pieces. This is so an opinion your... piece. <laughs> well, you have a lot of opinions. I do have a lot of opinions. And I want to talk about something that I think is um, something that we need, that we've never talked about addiction, which is something that I think that bears being talked about, and that is aftercare. Mm. You know, we don't talk about aftercare very often and people going into treatment and what happens when they leave treatment and what resources are there, are there available and what is out there. And it's, um, I find it really interesting. And the reason I say this is because last week we went to somebody's house for dinner and we were wearing masks and we were sitting six feet apart and, um, we went as couples and. Um, we went to this person's house for dinner and we're sitting there and um, it's interesting because when people finally, they, they, they don't really know me, I want to get you in the camera. Can you come a little closer? Sure. But people who don't really know me don't realize what I do. So if it's a stranger and I go over to their house and they, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, what do you do? And what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? That's JF's question. I don't make money, but that's okay. Um, what I do do is I help people and I spread the word that getting sober, even though there's a shit ton of shame, it is possible and life can be beyond your wildest dreams if you do get sober and it's okay. And the other thing I do is I try to tell people whatever way you want to get sober works for me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I use 12 step, but I know that doesn't, a lot of people don't like 12 step. But as we digress to say what I do, a woman asked me what I do, and I said, oh, I have a podcast, I have a YouTube channel, I help alcoholics and addicts and their families, and um, it's interesting, and I think this is kind of, I, I hope I get feedback from today's podcast, I just do, because I want to hear what people have to think, what people's thoughts are, but, so anyway, the woman says to me, she has a couple glasses of wine in, well, obviously a couple glasses of wine in, then, you know, then the truth comes out, and she says, I, she said, well, you know, my son is an addict and he's been to numerous treatment centers and his drug of choice is heroin. And I, of course, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. She said he's been sober now for two, 18 months. He's been sober now for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, now she said he's been to five treatment centers. One, two, three, four, five. Bye, 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 treatment center. And she said to me, why can't he drink wine? 
Now for me, I'm just like, I think that it's just dumbfounding. Like it's dumbfounding. I understand that we, people go to treatment and people stay in treatment and treatment works for people. But the fact is this is a family disease, right? So here we are two people that have alcoholism in our family, right? That we know for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about everybody else because that's not our job. But I know that it's a family disease. So we talk about it. And I talk about it with my kids specifically. And I've talked about it with them since they were little. I would say to them all the time, you know, mommy's an alcoholic and, you know, I'm going to go to a meeting and I can't drink alcohol. And, you know, this is a family disease and you could get this disease. But if you do get this disease, I want you to know that if you feel like you have a a bad relationship with alcohol or drugs, you should definitely come to us and talk to us or Mm -hmm. talk to me, whatever. And I'm not going to judge you for it. I'll help you get help. It's not going to end your world if you can't have a cocktail. Anyway, when this woman asked me this question and said, why can't he drink? I thought to myself, you're telling me your, your, your son has been to five treatment centers and no one in any of those treatment centers has told you why they cannot have, why he cannot have alcohol. I guess not. Does that seem odd? <clears throat> well, I don't know. I've never been to a treatment center. I've had some, uh, spent some time with some people that have been in treatment centers. And um, so, you know, my experience probably doesn't help much because I was pretty knowledgeable at the time. So I don't even remember if we had the conversation or not amongst these people that I was involved with. Um, and uh, I would assume that, you know, probably it, it was covered. I mean, both times there was, you know, like a family weekend where the family showed up and they worked with the family. So wait, wait, you just totally lost me. What are you talking about? He just did totally lost me. I was People like, that I knew that were in treatment. Oh, so you knew people that went to treatment. Right. People I, that you were close to. Right. Family members? People I was close to. Okay, people you were close to. Right. So these people that you were close to, did you participate in their going to treatment? I, I went to the family weekend, yes. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I don't remember if we covered that or not. Okay, and it was your, so it was, you had a family member that went to treatment. Possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're staying anonymous. Okay, so they possibly went to treatment. And that when that person went to treatment, um, did they tell you? I don't recall. I really don't. I mean, it wouldn't be something I would ask. You know, I wouldn't have a question about that. It wouldn't be something that I'd need to talk about. Whether or not they could drink any. Well, they went in for alcohol anyway. Right. They so I wouldn't know. ask, like, do you think they could smoke pot? Like, I wouldn't ask that. No, and you didn't you say. You think they could sniff glue? I just, you know, I wouldn't ask that. Right, right. So, but I think that if you go to a treatment center, maybe when you leave, like, you know, it's like if you go and you have, if you go to the spa and you have a massage, before you leave, they say, you know what? You really should drink a lot of water after mm-hmm. this and rehydrate your body. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you've gone to a treatment center for 28 days, let's say minimum 28 days, or if you went for 14 days and they said, all right, now you're leaving, maybe there should be some, you know, FYI. I know that a lot of them say you should go to 12 step meetings and people are kind of like, 
Right, but I, 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 that makes me nervous. I, don't I think it would be smart to for them to, you know, wherever these people are going back to, whatever environment they're going back to, to be in touch with that environment to say, you know, here's the deal. This person is, you know, says they're an addict of blah, 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 whatever it is. But, you know, as an addict that you guys need to know that they, it's not just the whatever their drug of choice is that they need to stay away from. They need to stay away from all mind-altering substances. You know, and explain to them that, you know, maybe if the person's drug of choice is heroin, they have a few drinks. Um, people don't always make the best decisions while they're under the influence of alcohol. They might think it's a good idea to go get some heroin, something they might not do if they weren't having those drinks along those lines. I don't know. But I also think that, especially with alcoholism <clears throat> and um, the people of, you know, a certain whatever economic status that demographic demographic that send their, you know, they ship somebody off to rehab. Um, I think their attitude is I spent a lot of money. I expect this person to come back fixed, you know, and to them fixed means now they can drink like a lady or a gentleman, depending on what they are. That's fixed. And I spent a lot of money for that. And that's what I expect. Cause it's expensive. I mean, I have to say it's expensive. Sure. It is. Treatment's really expensive. Sure. It is. And that's not a good, you know, I mean, that's, I, I do believe that a lot of people feel that way that send their loved ones off. to. Oh, rehab. I think they do. I think they think that they've got like, go I, like this, you know, my daughter, she's going to drink at her wedding. So am I, you know, that's, that we're not even, there's no way that that's not going to happen, you know, but you fix her for me so that she can. That's what I want. And ironically, that's not what it's about. Well, it does, doesn't work that way, does it? No, because once you're a pickle, you're always a pickle. That's right. No cucumber <laughs> for you. <laughs> but it's... Um, and but people they, don't know that. They don't know that because they don't get educated for it. So like I said to this poor woman, so she's sitting there and she's like, why can't my son... My son never had a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, this is the deal. So our brain is made up and the same place where the alcohol goes... The heroin goes, the weed goes, the peas, the, the pills go. They all, it's almost said peas. Mm -hmm. The pills go. It's all the same spot. So if you are, if you have a problem, as you just mentioned, and you said that eloquently, thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you for saying that so eloquently. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Because um, it's saying that, you know, the reality is, is that once you start to drink, all inhibitions are gone, right? So all senses of, I mean, I think you said it more in layman terms. You were like, so you go out and you'll pick up the, the drug of your choice. But um, it, it it is, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you pick up one substance eventually, and it might not happen the first time. It could take five times. It could take one time. It could take five times. It could take 50 times. Mm -hmm. Sure. But why would you even tempt it? So instead, being sober and being abstinent, being sober is being abstinent of all drugs and alcohol. That means anything that changes your mind. Alters your mind, yes. Alters your you mind. Can, you're still allowed to change your mind, honey. I can change my mind still, but alters your mind mm -hmm. is something you're going to want to stay away from. Right. You know? So they'll let you, they'll allow you to use caffeine or nicotine. Right. That's about it for mind-altering substances. That's it. My, you can have as much coffee as you want and as many cigarettes as you want, but you cannot drink or do drugs. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is important. And I think the other thing that I found, I had a loved one that I also took to treatment. And, you know, you get there and, you know, you're, 
you're frantic. You're like, oh my God, this person I love is on fire, literally on fire. Their life is totally unmanageable. They're getting in trouble with the law. At least that was my person that I took. And, um, you know, their life was falling apart because of their use of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And you get there and they say, all right, it's going to cost this amount of money. And it's a very large number. Mm-hmm. It's a very large number. And a lot of people, that's like having to remortgage their house. They have to sell things to be able to afford to send their loved one to these places. And the one thing that I wish that they had said to me when I dropped this person off was that I'm just going to tell you all I'm giving you for this large amount of money and for the next 28 days is that I'm going to tell you your loved one is going to be safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hope that they're safe. I mean, they can run away. They can go MIA. They can check themselves out. I think it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, so there's something you, that it's called when you leave the treatment center. But I know that all that you get for that 28 days was like a peace of mind, knowing my that mm-hmm. my loved one was safe. Mm-hmm. That's what I got for it. Yep. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people do it for that reason, just to get the peace of mind. They're so exhausted. Like, well, let's ship them off the rehab. And I was exhausted know. when I dropped this person off. I and was we'll, sober when I dropped the person off. We'll, Were you sober? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll ship them off for 28 days. Maybe they'll keep them longer. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> and then when they get out, then we'll just deal with it. You know, and they just, the dance starts all over again for a lot of people. Right. Because I think the other thing that we, that, isn't talked about when people go in it's like you send somebody into a treatment center and they go in and for the next 28 days they're out of society as a whole i mean i know that there are facilities that allow you to have your cell phone or they have a land a, a, a not your cell phone but they used to have pay phones i don't know if they still have pay phones but mm. this obviously was a long time ago but they had a pay phone that you could use i'm mm-hmm. sure they still must have that but i don't know that for a fact and i know that so you're taken out of life entirely right mm-hmm. you're taken away from your bills you're taking away from the tv that you want it's like all your things you normally do in your life and especially the main things which are your triggers are taken away right so that first that bar that you drive by that you've been going to for how many ever years is no longer you're not driving by it for 28 days and you're not having that those bills stack up that are so exhausting and they're not showing up at your house but you've been like it's all taken away and you live in this little protective place yes and you're then basically sequestered you're sequestered and some people do get to and i don't want to say get to but do tend to go to um halfway houses mm-hmm. and that's where they do a little more of the re-entry i think that they give you jobs and they they drug test you and it's more on a regimen i think that that's more of a step down than just going into a treatment facility and saying okay good luck god bless right because i think that there's it's got to be scary I know for the person, I think it was scary. That person didn't really talk to me after that. Um, Mm -hmm. They were angry with me, whatever. But um, uh, there was, you know, I don't remember them saying to me, you know, well, are you going to talk? Luckily, our kids already knew about it. My kids already knew about it. The person, they, my kids knew the person who was going to treatment. So, but I think having that communication and saying to people like, these are the triggers that you're going to look for and your family should be involved. I've always thought that family is like such a big piece to it. It's like having your family involved. It's just so imperative. It's just like at least somebody to be accountable. And 
I know that a lot of people, you know, there's 12 step for families mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't like to go to that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking that the, the, the big, I think to me, the big issue with the families is you've said it many times over the years is that, you know, you have to want to change to be able to change. And you know, the family's like, why do I have to change? I'm not the problem. That person's the problem. I'm not going to change. They're telling me I need to go get help and I need this, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's BS. They don't want to change. And, and what people don't realize is that, you know, because addiction is a disease, um, that everybody in the house catches it. Everybody in the house catches it. Nobody doesn't catch it. You know, now not everybody is going to become an addict, but everybody's going to have some of the isms. They just are. So they all have it. They all have addiction and they might not, you know, it's kind of like this COVID thing. They may be asymptomatic, right? But they're carrying it around with them. Um, they're going to pass it on to some next generation for sure. You know, if they haven't already, but the, if they don't want help, they're not going to get help. And I can see why, you know, the frustration of dealing with an addict is, you know, the lying, the stealing, the constantly bailing them out, the constantly lying for them, you know, the constantly, uh, having to take care of them, the constantly having to clean up their messes. It gets very frustrating. People get very angry about that. So that is nice. They go away, like I said, 28 days, maybe longer. Whew, it's nice, right? And then they come back, but they're still the problem. You know, we're not the problem. They're the problem. We're not going to change. They need to change and nothing changes. That's the hard part. And I don't know how you convey that. It's the hard, I know. And it's the hard part because I feel like if everybody could jump on board and I know that it's hard and I know that some people like the drinking is, is definitely because it's such a big part of our society. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though I have to tell you, um, not to digress, but to, like, it, like the people that are out there that are getting so like on Instagram, if you go and you see all these people that are out there all over the world, it's amazing. I mean, there's so many amazing people that I'm following now and follow me on, you know, Instagram. And I think it's awesome. Like mm -hmm. there's so many people out there that are just trying to get one day. And I think for those people that are out there, I want to be like, yes, rocket. Congratulations. People with 54 days, people with a week, people with four days, people with one day. It's like, wow, they're getting it. But to be able to be, you know, to be successful, we need some people. And I know that the families get sick and tired of dealing with their, their loved ones. And I mm -hmm. know it's hard, but at some point we have to give to that forgiveness piece. Right. And that's the hardest part. And I understand you might not want to go and, like open up your whole heart and be willing to like let this person back into your life 110%, but you can let them in like 20%. But just knowing and respecting, I think that's the one thing that like, it's the love and the respect we have. And especially when you go into a 12 step room, like that's what you're so excited about when you get there, because you're like, oh my God, all these people have the same feelings that I have about alcohol mm -hmm. and they want me here and they love me until I love myself. And that's so huge. But I feel like if we educated the regular public, which is, you know, and just said like, I hate to say normal people because I don't believe that they're normal because I'm just as normal as a person who doesn't drink or mm -hmm. does drink. I'm just as normal, right? I mean, I'm crazy. I do admit I'm crazy just because I am. Well, you would be in, according to the literature of the program that you follow, you would be just, you would just describe yourself as an abnormal drinker. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Just an abnormal drinker, which is fine doesn't 
doesn't comment on any part of the rest of your life. Right. So I'm an but abnormal drinker. There's no drinker. question about that. You are an abnormal drinker. I'm an abnormal drinker, but I still have a big heart and I still have a lot of love and I still have a lot of caring to give and I have all those things. And I just, there's just one part of my life that I just. Nothing else about you that's, that's different. That's it. That's the only thing that's different. I just can't drink like everybody else. I can't. Mm. And because society, it's so big to drink, it's like makes me feel like I'm different, even though I'm not. And I think that if we got over the fact that it's like, I, you know, so many people say, you know, if I had cancer, you know, people would be bringing me meals. Mm -hmm. But when you're sober and you're getting sober, it's freaking hard. It's really hard. Sure. Well, it's you know, so has, hard. You know, when somebody has cancer, they're either going to get cured or they're going to die. But with alcoholism, you are going to do that too. You're never going to get cured. You're never going to get cured and your chances of either death, in, death institutions, meaning hospitals, rehabs, or jail, or, or jail. That's what your options are if you continue to drink. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, it's, it's pretty deadly, but no, nobody in society is talking about, you know what, we should really maybe, you know, help addicts out there because I don't even want to know what the number is. I can tell you this. I don't know what the number is specifically of how many people have died during COVID of alcoholism, but I would bet it's a large number. I bet it is too. I bet it's a really large number. Mm -hmm. And then do they say it's a COVID related death? Because let's face it, because of COVID, they couldn't go to jail and do whatever. If they've got, you know, drug court, they couldn't go back to drug court if they had to go, you know, to a methadone cl clinic and that was closed. I mean, there's so many things that people you know, and treatment centers, I didn't even know what they were doing with, you know, if they were letting people in or they only kept it at a small population. I mean, that's been a problem. I know, I know three people that I've heard of that have died from alcoholism mm. since COVID. They fell in their house, they hit their head, somebody found them dead, you know? Yeah. It's just, and that's what happened to those three people. They both, the, all three died in their homes because of falling down the stair. One fell down the stairs, one hit a cocktail table, and one hit a, um, the, um, Good Lord. the lip on a fireplace. And it's just a problem because if we don't sit here and get to the, the basis of being able to talk about this, like we're talking about it, mm -hmm. how's it ever going to get better? You know, it's really interesting. I was, as you're talking, I was thinking about a, 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 a friend of mine, a, a high school chum, um, and he lives in uh, Scandinavia and uh, he has a family member over there that had an, an eating disorder, which is an ism. And uh, so what they did there was they, they, they took the family member into a rehab that was especially for that disorder. And uh, after four months of the person being in there, one of the parents, they had, the parents had to pick which one. One of the parents had to go and live there for a year with the person, you know, took a year off of work and spent a year living there and learning all about the disease and everything there was to know about it, you know, and everything that they could do to, to be of a help. And he said it was just the most amazing thing. You know, it's not something that we that we do on this side of the uh, pond at all. I don't know if they do it any place than Scandinavia, but it's really remarkable. So they had really had the family completely involved in the entire process. 
Yeah, I think that having the family involved is so imperative. And I think like, I've heard of more people that have gone to treatment and they, you know, after 14 days, they kick them out because of insurance reasons. It's kind of a mess. I mean, the way we deal with addiction, and yeah, it's, a shame. it's just, it sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks. You know, I mean, in other places in the world, I know that it's mandatory 90 days, but why do you say 90 days? It takes 90 days to change any pattern. And I think that if you, I think 90 days of being, I, I think they have better ratios over there mm -hmm. when you have that. I know it's in Mexico as well. It's 90 days. So it's taking the time to really, you know, realize that this, we, the people that have our disease deserve to have the whole family to be involved to be educated. It's like being educated about it. Like the shame that's still out there. I mean, I know so many people. It's crazy. How many people I know that have learned that what I do. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll be, um, I'll be on a golf course, a tennis court, and I'll say, this is what I do. And I have had more people come up to me and say, you know what? Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> my loved one, my child has this. Mm -hmm. So many times I've heard that. It's crazy. Well, everybody, ha everybody has somebody in their life that oh. has a problem with addiction. Everybody has somebody. Yeah. Everybody has somebody. There's mm -hmm. not one family in America that has not been touched by addiction. Mm -hmm. And I, the best, I have this, I, I have another, I have another person that's in my life and they don't want to talk about it at all. They, their loved one had this, their loved one unfortunately passed away and they didn't want to talk about it ever, mm -hmm. ever. Well, a lot of people are like that. And they're supposed to be my friend and they don't want to, and they're, they've got, they're filled with so much shame. I'm like, do you understand? I'm sober, not ashamed. I'm busy living sober. I'm all about getting busy living sober. So the next generation that's coming up, the kids today don't have to be like, oh my God, I can't tell anybody that I'm battling addiction. Cause mm -hmm. I think that it empowers you. Mm -hmm. It empowers you so that you get the tools that are around you. So maybe if the people are around you before they go and they pick up that drink, they might say, does this bother you? Which nine out of 10 times, I think it doesn't bother most people that are sober. They sure. realize that they don't have a good relationship with alcohol. If somebody brings it up to them and says, do you want a drink? They're going to say, you know what? I don't, I don't want one, but you go right ahead and have one. In mm -hmm. fact, it makes us feel more comfortable. If somebody's like altering their behavior because of us, it feels uncomfortable. We want the person to drink, right? Sure. Have a cocktail, have two, have 10. I don't give a shit, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting comfortable on our own skin where we can at least say that. But when we go around people and they're like, oh, it's so weird, I can't act like this. It's like, mm -hmm. now you've made it even weirder. Now we all feel freaking weird. So what is your... Um suggestion about this aftercare thing that you were talking about I just, you know i'm definitely this is again my opinion this is busy living sober elizabeth chance vaguely's opinion this is not you know this i'm not a scientist i'm not a therapist i don't play any of them on tv it is my opinion as someone that's in long-term recovery i just think that it needs to get a little more transparent mm -hmm. i think that families need to realize that your loved one if they're coming home from rehab you know, in the beginning, maybe just take away the booze just for a little bit, you know, not forever, but so the person gets comfortable because now you've taken me, not if you taken me out of this bubble that I've been living in for 28 days, but now you bring me in and now all the bill collectors are there. All my things that are that bar that I drove past, I'm still driving past that, that ex partner that I had is kind of around. And now 
there's alcohol sitting right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I know where it is in my house. And maybe just for like a little bit of time, maybe 60 days, 90 days, just keep it away. I think maybe just like 90 days, just not have it in your house, just for 90 days. I'm not saying throw it away. Just go maybe put it in your grandma's house or the uncle's house or the neighbor's house. Just say, take this for a little bit. I just want to keep my house clean for my person. Just give them time so that they can, they can, the person can grow, you know? I've always said that, um, you know, when, when I came in, when I, when I decided I, I had to get sober, which, you know, God willing, will be 14 years coming up here soon. And, you know, they gave me direction. It was the first time in my life I ever listened to direction. I don't listen to direction. People give directions and I break the rules. That's just was me as a, a child. And for some reason, this was like, I realized I have to change. And they gave me all these suggestions. And one of the suggestions, luckily for me, I didn't have any. I did have alcohol in my house, but I got rid of it right away. I, got, I went home and I didn't have a, a, a partner or anyone in my life. Mm -hmm. So I could get rid of it. I got rid of it right away. And um, I took it to my mother's and left it in her garage. But I didn't want it in my house, right? Because I feel like when it's in your house, it can kind of call your name like, hello, sure, drink me, drink me, drink me. It's not there, and you can't drink it. I can't, really. couldn't drink it, right? I, I could afford to go out and buy it, but I didn't need to go out and buy it. It not was not convenient to go out and buy it at 3 a.m. No, and when you're feeling like really squirrely, and then you think about it, if you get in the car and you're like, you've got more time to think about it if you have to get in your car and actually do it, where if it's in your house, you're like, oh, it's there. I'm having a fucking panic attack. I need it. Mm -hmm. So I got it out of my house. And that gave me the, they said, don't get into any relationships for a year. And I didn't get into any relationships for a year. And they said, you know, take time, take time for you. And I did take that year for me. And what I feel like, and if it has to only be 90 days, if you have to keep alcohol out of your house, it's 90 days, but whatever the timing just to, is. Just to be clear, you didn't go to a rehab. No, I did not So these were rehab. just suggestions that you got from your 12-step program. There's suggestions I got from my gotcha. Okay. Yeah, my 12 step. That's where I went first, the very mm -hmm. beginning. Okay. I went and I asked somebody to sponsor me in the very beginning. Sponsors like somebody who takes you through and it's kind of like your, I don't know, what would you go for in layman's A guide. A guide, a guide to take you through what's going on. If you want to be, use a really cool word, a Sherpa. A Sherpa. Mm -hmm. To take you through this navigation of your newfound life. And so I got this guide and they helped me very much. I mean, she's amazing. She's amazing. And she was totally different than me, right? She was a different, she was totally different. I had, it, it changed my first vision of thinking things black and white. It was like, she's different and I'm going to let her in. And she was so helpful. And everyone that's helped, all the Sherpas that I've had along the way have helped me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, taking that time to really figure out who you are. So what I was getting back to with the 90 days and taking the alcohol out of your house, it like gives you a chance to like, if you plant a flower, okay? If I go plant a little plant and I put it in a pot and I put soil around it, right? So I normally take the pot, the plant that came in this pot and I put it in a bigger pot, right? Mm -hmm. And I put it in the dirt. Are we boring you? He's yawning. I'm um, trying not to. He's trying not to yawn, but he's bored. Are you bored? No, I'm just tired. Okay. So anyway, so I take it from the smaller pot. I put it in a bigger pot and I put, like, I take care of it, right? I put nice soil in it. I might put some miracle Grow on it. I might feed it with, I feed it with water a lot, right? Sure. And it grows. Mm -hmm. But as us, as coming in, like we leave maybe this protective bubble. And again, I didn't go to rehab, but I left, I, I, I luckily lived in a place that I didn't have any many outer things that were going to get me because I was in my little house with my three young children. So. Right. Obviously they weren't, 
They didn't have any food stash. No, anyway. they did not have any food stash. They were very young. So, but I think that taking that time, to, like a plant that you would take care of, plant, mm -hmm. take care of you. Right. Get people around you that are going to bring you up, that are going to water you, and maybe give you some plant food and give you some hugs and some love. Right. So I like that because I, my own opinion is, if you want aftercare, you're gonna have to go out and find it yourself. That's really how it kind of works. Yeah. And you probably have a lot of suggestions about where to go and how to find it. You're I gonna do count on somebody else. They're gonna let you down. Well, it's just not only that. You're just gonna fall into old patterns. That's just the way it is. Yeah, it's called born resentments, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, at some point, this is. No, I'll give you my opinion. This is his opinion, okay. John Fagley's opinion, J.F. Fagley's most, opinion, most not addicts. the opinion of anything else in the world. So it's just most our addicts, opinions. My opinion, most addicts, super immature, okay? Desperately want somebody to take care of them, mostly the, so they have somebody to blame when things go wrong. Like, it's not my, it's their fault. They were taking care of me, it's their fault. So, you know, if you want to take charge of your, you've said it many times, you want to take charge of your recovery, um, you need to take charge of your aftercare probably. Yeah. I think that if you have any questions, like reach out. But I think that the number one thing is like getting surrounded by people that love you is number one. And sometimes those people that love you might not be in your family. I'm sorry. Right. It's true. But they might not be. Stick with the winners, right? Stick with the winners. And that means people that have long term that you know, if you go to a 12 step meeting, like go to the people that, that have you know, long-term recovery. That means more than five years. Um, you know, people that are walking the walk and not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. Mm -hmm. That's really imperative to you out there too. And if you do decide to go to a 12-step meeting and you don't like it, and right now with COVID, I think it's awesome because with COVID, you don't have to go walk into the basement of a church and be like, hi. Well, if somebody doesn't know how to do the Zoom thing, how would they get started? Well, for one, I can tell you that you go to... Um, I, I, can you go to Busy Living Sober? Well, you can email me and I'll send you the link. Okay. Go ahead and email me at busy, at B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com. And um, so you can do that. Or you can go and go Google, like, Zoom 12-step meetings. And you can go to anything you want. If you're going to Narcotics Anonymous, you can go to... Alcoholics Anonymous, you can go to Adult Children of Alcoholics, you can go, there's so many plethora of, of resources that are out there. All you have to do is go play in Google and find things. And if you get a Zoom information, go, and it, a lot of times it lists on, if you go to the Zoom meeting and you find a guide, it'll tell you the Zoom meeting. And if there's a passcode, if there isn't, there's so many awesome ways to go. And you can go and be kind of like a voyeur, like we all are on a Facebook. Let's seems face like it. A, seems like a really nice way if you're, you have been nervous about getting started. That seems like a really easy way to get started. You just don't have to leave your house. You don't have to leave your house. You I don't know, even have to have your picture up. You can just say iPhone or you can have it say computer or you could say it's Fred. And if your name is Ginger, nobody would even know. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. But just take the opportunity. And nobody's going to call on you if you don't want them to. No. And if you don't like it, you can go leave and leave the meeting. But keep trying it. Like there's so many resources. Just know that you're not alone. And you know, it's a, it's a disease. Just you know, it's a disease. It's not your. It doesn't mean you're moral, morally bad. I want that to be out there too. And I like what you said. Is just find some, whatever it is. Find some fellow travelers. Yeah, I love that fellow traveler. Yep. 
Well, makes everybody, it, the thank easier. you. And sorry about our appearance because we're COVID-19 and no beauty supplies or that sort of thing. We're just, as you can see from my husband's I got a haircut once this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. My hair color is crazy, but whatever. We're sober. Yes, we are. All right, everybody. Well, until next Bye. time, thanks for listening. Please come back because we're going to be here again on Thursday. We've got somebody fun coming on. But you know that Tuesday's the day with me and JF or a friend that I'm going to do on Tuesdays. And then Thursdays, I always have a guest. So until next time, keep getting busy living. Are you sober. Sober! Keep getting busy living sober. And again, you can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com. Take care, everybody. Bye.